Welcome to Smarty Pants, the podcast of the American Scholar Magazine, sponsored by Phi Beta Kappa. I'm your host, Stephanie Bastek. For many of us, our very first book wasn't one that we read ourselves. It was one read to us, the pages pawed by grubby hands eager to flip back to a favorite illustration. And the very best children's books combine a good story, however simple, with enchanting illustrations that can spark a love for reading, writing, art, or all three. Elizabeth Lilly, one of my classmates from elementary and high school, and also the author-illustrator of a new book for children called Let Me Fix You a Plate, joins us on the podcast to talk about the process of inviting the littlest readers into a new world. Thank you so much for chatting with me, Elizabeth. It's been uh, more than 10 years, I think. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for having me. I honestly never expected to even know someone who was a children's book illustrator. I guess it seemed like kind of one of those things that you're growing up and you're like, I want to be a firefighter. I want to be a children's book illustrator. But you actually did it. (laughs) Yeah, I know. It's such a rare um, career that I feel like uh, it's like meeting an opera singer or something. It's like it doesn't happen a lot. So people are like delighted. I see like the light come into their eyes sometimes when I tell them that. Yeah. So, I mean, why did you become a children's book illustrator? Was your path clear? Did you know? Um, That's a good question. I did not know. um, I did not know what I wanted to be. I think um, when I was in high school, it was like not really a path that a lot of people were taking to try to be like a professional artist. Like a lot of people were like doctors and engineers and stuff like that. And my parents are both engineers. Like there's no one artistic in my family. So it just didn't feel like a real career to try to be an artist. And I was like, well, I want something that makes money. Like I was so pragmatic as like a 16 year old. I was like, I need to, I can't be a starving artist. So I went to architecture school. It was really difficult, a really intense studio program. People were there sleeping under their studio desks all night and stuff like that. And I just didn't see the, my future in that career. Like it's the goal is to be hired by like a really prestigious architecture firm and make like really fancy buildings for like really rich people is like the pinnacle of achievement. Like I didn't, think it would do that much good in the world for me to become a great architect and I was thinking back on like animation and stuff that I had done when I was younger in like art programs in high school and um, that felt so meaningful like to make stories that could connect to kids and, and people and make them feel something or or connect to something important so yeah then I kind of changed my whole uh, trajectory. I transferred into MICA, which is an art school in, in Baltimore, and I ended up in children's book illustration classes, and I just loved it. So I kind of went from there. We were in art class together in high school, full disclosure. Um, I think I generally remember your style, and I think it is quite different from Let Me Fix You a Plate or Geraldine, your two books that are out in the world. How did you find your drawing style for these books? Yeah, I really found my style in college. I kind of ended up returning to the kinds of drawings that I did in middle school or in elementary school. Like, I used to draw, like, cards for people when I was really little, and I would have these characters that were, like, little mice or little sheep, and they were kind of, like, sketchy and, like, the lines didn't quite connect. 
And um, I think in high school, you know, I learned to do classical, like, you know, still lifes and portraits and stuff like that with, like, proper shading and everything. But when I was in college and I had free reign to kind of do anything I wanted and express my own narratives, um, it just didn't come out that way. I kind of went back to this drawing style I used when I was like younger, more instinctive. And it, it makes sense because the narratives were like, a lot of them were about my family and about about characters that I was inventing or animals that I saw. And it, it kind of went back to this like wholesome place before I got so self-conscious about art and so um, analytical about it. It just felt very natural. I didn't have to think about it so much. I was more like present in like the feeling of what the story was about or was expressing. And I'm still very much that way. Like sometimes when I'm drawing, I'll just like close my eyes and like feel the pose or feel what I think the character is feeling. And then I'll just draw quickly. So I think a lot of people have a, a lot of trouble connecting to that instinctive place. And I'm really glad that I just let myself relax and just just do that. And it, it really gives me a place to always come back to because there's always new emotions to express in the work. I think it also makes it really accessible for that, you know, six-year-old reading the book. Think back to like The Wind in the Willows or Winnie the Pooh. And I definitely didn't feel like, oh, I can do that. There is something to looking at a something that feels like loose and natural and like very obviously colored in by a real human hand that might make a child reading it feel like, hey, I, I can do that. Yeah, I mean, I hope so. That is it's like something that I didn't intend exactly when I was like figuring out my drawing style. But I think it makes it makes my style perfect for children's media because you're right, it is. They're invented worlds that I'm making, but to a lot of kids, I think they, these worlds make perfect sense because it is something that they could draw. It is something that they could imagine in their own like little pieces of paper or notebooks. So um, I think they can have an entry point to it that maybe some more realistic or like Baroque art in an art museum, they can't feel that connection as much. Mm hmm. Yeah. I mean, your first book, Geraldine, was about a giraffe and the human friend she made at school. You're obviously not a giraffe, um, <laughs> but I do remember that you were on the quieter side in elementary school. So how much of that book came from your personal experience? Oh, I think um, a lot of it. I think I didn't know it when I first started inventing that character. Like, she was just a giraffe that was just awkward and didn't fit into things and was too tall. And it just um, I was always a little taken aback that she uh, didn't fit into something that was around her. But it was only later kind of rewriting the story that I realized it was so autobiographical. Because um, I am... I am half, I'm Latina, my mom is Colombian, and I also come from a very conservative and, like, religious family, and I think in school, that was just different from a lot of my peers. Uh, I was in a lot of settings that were very white or very liberal in a way that didn't feel familiar to my 
my home. And I'm also plus size. I'm like bigger than a lot of my friends at school. Like there were just different ways that I felt um, different. And I, the way that I always was able to kind of settle into a new place, I also changed schools a lot and I was very shy. So that didn't help me feeling always a little different. Um, But the way that I sort of felt comfortable in a lot of places was just by making like one good friend that that I could really be myself around so that was kind of where um the book came from and I it was also important for me to not end the story with like a perfect wrapped up ribbon of like well because you have a friend everything is perfect now you know like in a lot of scenarios, like, you you will be different forever. Like, there's nothing that can change the fact that you are different, and you will probably always have moments of discomfort with that. But if you hold your friendships close, then hopefully that can help you kind of navigate around that. I mean, how do you write a story for kids that is authentic, that draws from that personal experience, but doesn't feel like cheap or hokey. That seems incredibly difficult. Uh, it's it's a really hard balance because it's like on one end of the spectrum is like um, superficial and sort of talking down to a kid um, or just staying very on the surface of things or t- too light. Or on the way opposite spectrum is like a memoir and like going so heavy and deep that you're processing it as an adult and it's beyond the entry point of how a kid understands the world. For me, I like to reference darker times and try to be really authentic about hard emotions because kids experience so much more of hard emotions and I think adults give them credit for sometimes and they feel deeply sad or hopeless or whatever it is alone more than I think you remember feeling when you're an adult looking back on it so I want kids to be able to see themselves in these harder emotions in the book but it does have to have this lightness and um fun and sweetness to kind of make it not so heavy um so honestly that's really tricky it is something that I wrestle with in new books all the time so I think just drawing helps like it helps that I'm an illustrator and and a writer at the same time so a lot of times I'll think about these darker themes or backstories in my head but but draw the character doing things, like doing very active things, playful things, and then kind of make the writing and the more lighthearted kind of um, drawings of the character like fit fit into each other in a kind of a puzzle. Mm-hmm. So it's, yeah, so it's very hard. <laughs> yeah, I mean, how common is it to be like the writer and illustrator for your own books? I imagine it changes the process quite a bit. Yeah, a smaller quantity, I would say, of books that are written and illustrated by the same person. For me, I always considered myself a writer and an artist almost equally. And a lot of times I felt more comfortable writing than illustrating, like especially because I came from architecture. I felt like I was playing catch up on what it means to be an illustrator and an artist and um and feel really confident in that voice. So 
I felt like when I was making my stories, a lot of times the writing would come more naturally. And then because I was in art school, I was gaining all these skills to also tell the story through drawing. So I kind of, sometimes I feel like I'm writing through drawings. Um, so for me, it's like, it's very natural and it helps me to be able to have that full control where if sometimes I'll catch myself writing too much and I'm like, no, I could just show this through drawing or vice versa. There's something I can't quite get to through a drawing and I want to write, but it's also scary on the other hand to have a completely blank canvas of like, I'm inventing this world alone and there's no writer to kind of give a backbone to it. So, Does that mean that you like write and draw as you go and do both at the same time or does one come first? Oh, totally. Yeah. I, I write and draw at the same time. Um, so it depends on the, on the piece. Sometimes I have a lot of times, actually, I have a character that I'll just invent on its own, and I'll be drawing that character and not knowing what their story is. And then if I have a story or a theme in mind, it'll sort of match up naturally with that character. Um, so it's sort of rare that I will think of a story and then be like, hmm, what, what would this character look like? But it has happened. Um for Let Me Fix You a Plate, I wrote the entire manuscript as a poem just one day on its own, and I didn't think how it would be visually. So it, it depends on the, on the project. Do you ever test drive your stories or your characters on the kids in your life or the kids that you meet? Um, that's funny that you asked that. I actually almost never show early work to kids um, a lot of times the first kids that see it are seeing it in the bookstore. Sometimes I think that in the future I want to uh, test drive it more with kids. There are a lot of famous children's book authors and illustrators that would just show it to kids all the time as a way of refining the work. And um, I think that's so important to make sure that your work really connects to kids because there are a lot of picture books that win awards that I think connect more to adults than to children. And that's not a bad thing. Like, I think more adults should try to connect to children's books because they can actually find a lot in it. But yeah, I think I want to um, test drive it with kids more in the future. Why do you think adults should read kids' books more? Well, first, all children's books are made by adults. So, you know, it's not like reading like a kid's journal or, or looking at their drawings from school and being like, oh, that's nice. You know, a lot of times it's expressing feelings and experiences that you relate to, that you um, that you have had in your own past. So I think it's it's a way to be close to something that's very familiar in a, in a simple and kind of beautiful way for a few minutes. Um, also, there's a lot of like silliness and, and playfulness um, that you can experience by kind of taking a minute to go through um, a story in that way. Well, speaking of authors drawing on their own experiences for children's books, your new one, Let Me Fix You a Plate, is a very autobiographical story. This achingly simple tale of your family piling into a car and driving first to the house of your paternal and then your maternal grandparents. Why did you want to write about that journey in particular? 
Actually, I wrote that at MICA, which uh, is the art school that I went to. I was in my senior year. I was a general fine arts major, and I had a um, a studio cohort of other fine artists and painters and sculptors. I think I was feeling a little misunderstood or alone because I was, again, a predominantly white institution, and I was just thinking a lot about my mixed family uh, being Latina and being kind of from the South, from West Virginia on my dad's side, and um, how hard it was to share or explain kind of the, the beauty of those experiences to classmates or to people I knew. And it kind of all just spilled out of like all the tenderness and, and nostalgia that I had for for the family and for those special times um, in my past just all kind of came out at once. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And food is such a common gesture of love, I think. And to see that as the through line, almost like the same line being said in both houses. Yeah, I think that's something I've thought about for a long time. Like, I didn't speak Spanish, and my grandparents almost only spoke Spanish. And the same with my grandma from West Virginia. Like, she spoke English, but I think I also was very shy and wasn't sure how to connect with her sometimes. But food was always the way that that love could come through. So even if I didn't know what to say to my grandma, she would, my West Virginia grandma, she would, you know, give me a plate of vanilla cookies and, and we both knew that we loved each other. You know, it was just always a way to, to speak to each other. We have links in the show notes to Elizabeth Lilly's new book, Let Me Fix You a Plate, as well as her first book, Geraldine, which is about a giraffe. The American Scholar's assistant editor, Jane Ross, also compiled a list of her favorite children's books for slightly older readers last year, so there's a link to that as well. We'll be back next week. Till then, take care and stay sharp.